What's up, everybody? It's part two of my conversation with Joel Clayfish, talking about the road, the loneliness, hunting, hunting camp, how awesome it is, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the Evans flows of being away from your family and missing them, sacrificing. Thank God for FaceTime. Thank God for Skype. If it wasn't for that, we don't know what we do because sometimes we're on the road for up to 30 days at a time. It's not a pity party. It's talking about the road life and on top of that social media and critics and how everybody is a a a critic today and a know-it-all and an expert and where did this come from and what are we really looking for in the hunt and how much does it does social media play a role in the way we set up our pictures and the way that we want to control the hunt that day do we stop and get videos of everything are we trying to show somebody that we are the world's greatest hunter what are we really doing by trying to drive likes all the time and we're victims of it too this social media game will It'll chew you up and spit you out. We talk about that on today's episode. We talk about a couple different uh, mindsets of what it takes to be successful and not let that loneliness or that darkness get to you when you're traveling. This life ain't for everybody. There's another podcast series that we have and another brand we have. And this life isn't for everybody. It truly ain't for everybody to be on the road for long periods of times. And I, I love waterfowl hunting. I love meeting all the new people on the road and seeing new friends, old friends, eating the meals, having the parties, going to concerts be in in duck camp and goose camp and turkey camp or at the nwtf convention or the sci national convention but the road life takes a lot of sacrifice and that's what joel and i are talking about today's episode again is brought to you by our friends at sig sour protect your homes protect your families please get involved with sig sour check them out at SigSour.com. go visit them check out the sig sour experience become more confident with your firearm and understand your way around that gun to make sure that if it goes down that you know what going to happen you got your breathing down you know your sights you know your sight picture you know exactly how to grip that gun and hold that gun in your arms and everything that goes in to making sure that if if something does happen that you're proficient with that that firearm with that handgun and you can protect yourself protect your family protect your kids protect your home i truly believe in sig sour they believe in us and for that i am so gracious and thankful to sig sour for supporting the american hunter the american outdoors man the american outdoors woman the provider the gatherer so please support sig sour support the brands that support hunting companies and the hunting culture today's episode of the foul life podcast is also brought to you by my good friends in napa california the part of Chelly family Thank you so much to Stefano and Jules and Dante and Ray Ray, the entire family, what they do for us, the olive oil they're producing their store. Go visit it sometime. Cook with this oil. Get some of their other products. Absolutely next level when it comes to flavor and performance. Napa Valley Olive Oil, the official olive oil of the Foul Life podcast and the Foul Life TV. Thank you guys so much for supporting Napa Valley Olive Oil. Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is also brought to you by our good friends at Gator Tail, Louisiana, Cajun Country. Kyle Broussard and crew down there, we're getting ready to head that way and shoot with them, to hunt with them, chase ducks down there, fish with them, crab with them, cook gumbo and etouffee with them. It's on. It's Cajun style. It's Gator Tail, the motors, the boat, second to none. You gotta, you guys got to get this rig. Ever since we started riding them, I don't know how many we've sold, but we sell a lot of them because as soon as people see them or ride in them, they fall in love with them. It's Gator Tail. It's the official boat and motor of the Foul Life Podcast and the Foul Life TV. I can't wait to get to Louisiana. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by our friends. I'm telling you, you guys got to check out the new Max 7 
pattern by Realtree. We're wearing it. It's on our banded waders. It's on our jackets. It's on our hats. It's on our beanies. Check out Max 7. They've taken Max 5 to the next level, which they had already taken Max 4 to the next level. They continue to innovate. They continue to get better at concealing the everyday waterfowl hunter. Thank you to Realtree family friends in the outdoors the jordan family tyler his dad bill everybody down there thank you real tree for being the official camouflage of the foul life podcast and the foul life tv i'm chad belding i hope you enjoy this part two of my conversation about the road life with my good friend joel clayfish talk to you guys soon foul life nation what's up the podcast is back i'm chad your host we are uh in a weird weather delay sounds like a baseball game weather delay and hunting it's like a storm moving in but it's a warm storm but it's wet up here in new york and when you're running big time cameras and stuff you just got to make the decision i don't like hunting in the rain anyway i know some people enjoy it but i'm more of a blue sky sunshine guy are you i like clouds overcast it's my favorite really least amount of shadows on the decoys you like that for geese yeah not for ducks. Not for ducks. Blue skies for ducks. You like some cloud cover for Canada's? For Canada's, I I think if you got decoys, 7 to 12 to 15 mile an hour wind to move the decoys, but cloud cover because then there's not the stark contrast of the shadow on the corn. Do you like, my favorite for Canada geese is sunshine with fresh snow on the ground. Oh, well, that is, you can't beat a snow hunt for Canada's. That is the best. The best. They get silly too. Especially then. in the sunshine. Yeah, I don't know why, but they get silly over snow. I think it's something to do with their eyesight and the way that that sun bounces back off the snow. And the, I mean, all they're really doing is coming to the sound a lot of the times. I think they're blinded by all of the reflection off of the snow and all of the like, you know, when you look at snow and you see like all the pieces of glass and diamond look to it, you know, sure. like across the ice and snow to, and the top of fresh snow. It glitters. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of glitters. And it's got to be something to where they're coming to the sound a lot. Right. I think so. I think that's like when you have a low fog ceiling and they're come right to the calls and you don't see them until they're on top of you. And, you know, they they see in two dimensions to begin with. So when they're coming in on a sunny day <laughs> over snow looking down, they're going to see the shadows of the decoys or the decoys in contrast to the snow. But you know how it is on a bright day. You walk out on a bright uh, day with snow on it, you squint your eyes. Yeah. Because it's kind of overwhelming amount of light coming into your eyes. 100%. So I'd say that that's happens. probably my... I would say that today is my least favorite type of waterfowl day where it's blowing hard and wet like i don't like i'm not afraid to wear rain gear and get wet but i just i just i don't choose it do you no i do not or do you just like to go no matter what i like to go no matter what but there's a point at which it when it's that hard line winds and constantly downpouring that it's just plain miserable because everything's soaked including your blind bag your guns your ammo your calls everything uh, is everything right? is just soaked soaked to the bone it's, and it seems like they don't fly when it's they don't fly when it's absolutely pouring or thundering lightning we had a lot of thundering I think they, lightning today. i think they get scared and stay as close to the roost, roost huddled up as possible yeah definitely I think they sit on the roost during bad weather. Light rain, no problem. Yeah. I love light rain hunting. Uh, drizzling or light rain hunting is fantastic. 
because they'll fly in it, but I, I still think it obstructs their vision a little bit, which helps you in the hide. Light rain's great to hunt in, but the kind of cats and dogs we had today with lightning and thunder, we were thinking about hunting on top of a hill. So you're sitting at the very top of a hill holding a oh metal lightning rod in your hand. At the I don't top like of thunder, lightning, and, and hunting, especially like when I'm in those trees of flooded timber. Oof. Like I will run to get out of them if I see lightning it coming. Is, yeah, you shouldn't be in there. No, you shouldn't. And it's then a, you're holding a gun too, right up against a tree. Safety at that point. That's like you shouldn't be fishing with a graphite fishing rod in the middle of a lake with a lightning storm. Yeah, so I, you know, when you, as a duck hunter, you have that mind or goose hunter, waterfowl hunter all around. You got to have that. We talked about the the hope, right? Yes you wake up on a day like this and you have to go, if you're an outfitter and you have clients, you got to take them, right? Well, I wake up on a day knowing I don't have to go. Our cameras are going to get soaking wet. We can get other work done while we're here, whether it's a photo shoot inside or whether it's filming a recipe or podcasting or whatever, but my mind's still messing with me. My mind is like, I got to find out if they're killing them. Yeah. And I want them to be, yes. but I'm on your, I, I want to find out in my mind if I was right, because we could have went out there and it was pouring rain. Maddie told me they got soaked, right? And they only killed a couple and they weren't right for camera, but I could picture them maybe swinging over the top of them and killing them at 40 yards or whatever, you know, because there's clients, they want to kill some geese when they book an outfitter. But I always want to know, like, did it happen? Did it go down? Did I pick the right day to miss? Should I have went today? No matter what? Cause I want to hunt every day. I hate missing a day, but I also understand that now it's a business. And if I went out there today and got all of our gear soaked, I take a chance of ruining hundreds of thousands of dollars in camera gear, right? And then I'm also in my mind when I'm out there and it's not happening the way I see for good TV, I might be saying, dang it, I should have been getting work done. But I also have a mindset of like, well, we got to show some of this too, that it's, that the weather's not right. And that, you know, we're out here trying it. You just, it's hard to do that when you're running big cameras, because if they get wet, you're smoked. Yes. And now with social media. So before social media, social media has ruined so many things in so many ways. It's fantastic for some things, spreading information, getting tips, learning how to do things. It's great in that regard. But 10 years ago, you know, you would hunt. And if you came back and you didn't have a real successful day, you had no, no idea how everyone else did unless you got on a rotary phone, called them and asked them. Yep. Now, all you see is people's successes. So no matter what you go to the internet, you know, you go to the social media channels, you go to the Snapchat and the Instagram and you see, and if someone else was killing bands today in the middle of the pouring rain, you're like, damn it. I knew we should have been out there. Yes. No matter what, what happened? I mean, it's taken over poor kids, poor teenage kids. I don't know how they do it. Like if we were in high school and didn't, and missed a party, we didn't know who was at the party. We wasn't shoved down our throats. I saw on a marquee of a church, it said, may your life be half as good as it appears on Facebook. And that's about it. I mean, so now 90% of the kids are at home with their parents on a Friday night, but that 10% that's out there party and makes the 90% all feel like they're unincluded and, and didn't do something right. And that's the same in the waterfowl sports because you see everyone's successes. You're seeing all these pile picks, all this stuff every if day. If you follow all these people, well, if you seek it out, if you're weak enough that you have to be on there, if you seek it out, but also Chad, um, the it's algorithms, a though. that's another the addiction. Algorithms will also send you that stuff in your normal course. And what's and your normal course? I, you got I'm not I'm in the normal course of your Facebook activity. If you pop Facebook but up you still or have Instagram, to scroll. you still or, have to scroll. You do. Well, you then do. stop scrolling. And, yeah, but for you and me, 
uh, social media posts are part of our business. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you have to scroll. I'm not worried about what the competition or anybody else is doing. So right. I'm simply asking that if everybody's living their best life on social media, nobody's really showing the down days and everybody's in it to win it, right? Like we're the shit. We're, we're trying to be influencers it's and get sponsorships. Yeah, it's all about the gram, right? Then why, then why would you put yourself through that? Well, I was just relating that to what you were just saying before. And like, you still want to know how everyone else was doing. Did they kill geese? Did I make the right decision? So you're bouncing that you're bouncing that in. And if you're using social media to say, did I make the right decision today? Didn't I, if you're using social media to make that determination, you are looking at uh, an aspect of uh, reality. That's, not really reality. Yeah, it's that's a why I stay away of, from it. That's why I stay away from the. It's the, not really reality. The scanning or the scrolling. Like I was in Texas and we smoked the teal pretty good, but then when we left, I didn't. I didn't go on social media and see. I don't follow anybody in Texas. I follow our sponsors pretty much. But I get texts from Steve. I wish you would have been here this week, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, that's just the that's the." I mean, we booked this hunt with Mojo months ago, right. a year ago, really. And had it on the books and we were sticking to it. And then we kind of formulated our schedule around that and logistically of going to Nashville and going to up here. You can and only be on. in one place at one time. Right. So, but part of me is like, dang it, it would have been cool. But I know that when we were there, it was unbelievable time. We got everything that we wanted to get done. Even though these, these, this amount of till that's there now after we left is more than what we had. We still created memories and wrote stories while we were there. So my point is, is like today I was finding out in this area because my mindset is anxiety kind of like I want to get work done, but I also want to be hunting. Mm -hmm. If I'm not hunting, am I getting work done? Because I need to create TV and social media and, and, and OTT episodes and all of this new stuff or these new projects we're involved in. Right. I stay here. My mind is like, am I getting enough work done? Because it's very easy just to be, all right, we'll just lay up and watch a movie. But wouldn't all of us rather be hunting? I mean. On a day like today? Well, no, not on a day like today in general. Um, Yes, 100%. Yes. Every day of the year. Right. I, I mean, that's why I can't stand summer. That's why I wish away summer. Um. <laughs> I don't wish away summer because I love the bass fishing. I love the boating. I love the lake life. I love the barbecues, the pool. I love the beach. I love going to PCB and I love going all over South Carolina. I love all that. And I think that you have to have a balance of that. But yeah, when I'm there, I'm thinking about a duck every day. Right. Every day, the ducks That's are what in my I world. Mean. I can't sleep in the weeks leading up to. But you don't hunt every day of the season. Like you booked a, a, a trip to Spain right in the middle of the season. I'm hunting in Spain. Oh, I thought you were going with your daughter. I am. What are you hunting? Spanish red stag. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Still not ducks. Not It's not ducks, <laughs> but I'm hunting in Spain. Every day? I don't book a trip unless I'm hunting. Really? I mean, my family, we're going to meet, meet my relatives for the first time in Italy in December, and we're going to go to Italy, Paris, and England, and I finagled a way to hunt while I'm there. I'm really? Chinese water buck. It's a deer with fangs. Um, yeah, I mean, during the goose hunting season, I'm hunting five, six days a week. Five or six days. Yes. It's a lot. And that's it, good. It's a lot. It's my Zen, man. I mean, look, we were talking about it in earlier podcasts about, you know, exercising every day, starting your day out right. And that's a hundred percent true. 
a workout regimen is starting your day out right. But for me, like I will go, I'll hunt in the morning and depending on what time my first meeting is at the Capitol or um, conference call at home or Zoom call or whatever, I'll hunt and then get to work on time because in the fall, you know, we're out there setting up at four o'clock in the morning. And if I can hunt until 730, I'm still going to make a nine o'clock meeting at the Capitol. So I only live 40 minutes away. So that's how I, I mean, that's a way in which my mind is right when I start my day because I'm getting that hunting in the morning too. Love it. I like that idea. I like how it's therapeutic and it gets the mind. It's just like the, the mind of a hunter and waterfowl hunting is so sophisticated and it's so, um, you know, you have to have the right approach and you have to have the right plan in place. And it's so strategy driven that, when, when I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, well, what would have been the benefits of hunting today? I absolutely love decoying Canada geese, but I'm also become more realistic of like, it's not going to happen on a day like today, the way that your hopeful mindset is thinking it will because of the thunder, because of the lightning, they're not going to, they're not going to act right. You might kill a few. And then sure enough, that's exactly what happened the way I played it. But my question is always like, well, how would I have felt if they would have mopped them up and had a hundred bird day? And then you're like, oh shit. But my mindset is like, well, I would have told them unbelievable. That's badass. It couldn't have been any prettier than it was yesterday and what we saw yesterday. No. Right. But there's still a part of me that wants to be out there killing, right. killing them with them. It's like pulling taffy. Yeah. Kind of like how it just never gives, right? Yeah, you're talking right. about you're just something. You do the one thing. It's it's kind of it's the it's just like sitting in the blind, and if you call it, and you don't drop geese out of the pack, everyone says you called it too soon. But then if you wait and they fly away, you say you should have called it. Um, you're always torn. You're always being pulled in both directions on that. I mean, but for you, I, for, honestly. For today, you have to consider the financial investment and the financial impact of it. That's something very real that somebody who's going out for a fun hunt isn't considering. You're considering $20,000 cameras in the rain. Electronics do not like water. And I love the idea of fun hunts where I can go out with my buddies and just fun hunt. But I also know when I'm out on a fun hunt that I can get some content done on my phone or social, sure. whatever we got to do to drive these brands. No, Look it's at it's raining. It's pouring. I literally again. just got a text from Nick McNamara said it's about to get heavy rain. <laughs> so um I'm just the mindset is so weird how you get pulled in those that many directions as a duck and goose hunter because you're like, well, should I go? Or should I sit this one out when it's raining this hard? A lot of guys like in their 60s and 70s would tell you, I don't go on a day like this. And I've already gotten to that point, I think. I'm at that point in my mid forties. I'm kind of like, I can afford to take a day off if I don't want to get soaking wet. Now, is that being a pansy? I don't know, because when you look at all the, the a lot of the print ads and stuff, waterfowl hunting is supposed to be dark and gloomy. No, I like Raining sunshine. And muddy I like and... sunshine and freaking, I like freaking mallards in the sunshine and cold. I don't, I'm not even afraid of the cold, but getting wet sucks. <laughs> what well, you have logistics i mean you know we're we're here in new york i've got two pairs of hunting pants along with me if one is muddy and soaked then we're dragging mud into the <laughs> into the cabin too i mean i don't know are you a wuss i i don't think so today would have been real a lot of added misery and the potential to harm the equipment with 
knowing that they're not flying in lightning storms. And it's tough to plan for that too. Um, I, I, I almost was tempted to go this morning. And when I woke up, I woke up till I set my alarm saying, I'm going to get up and make a call if we're going to go fun hunt. Right. And when I woke up, it was raining so hard and thundering and lightning. I was like, I'm not going out in this. I think it was hailing because the, the roof sounded like it was, it was rain, man. It was hitting that, that hard. was intense. It was hitting that hard that, I don't know though. That's the mindset is like, did I miss something? Am I, am I, am I getting too old? Am I becoming soft? That's the real bad thing about is me. Is that what you're afraid of being perceived as getting too soft? Soft. Well, cause they're out there doing it. And when they come back from that hunt, they're going to have a cold beer and we didn't earn that cold beer. We, we filmed omelets. We, we filmed the Canada goose omelet recipe. We didn't earn a cold bush light for today. <laughs> And that's how I look at life. Like we didn't go put in the work that they put in. They went and did what waterfowl hunters are supposed yeah, to do. But you know what? A cop's on the street a lot. Every once in a while, you got to do paperwork. And today also, we did paperwork. But also if I wasn't here in the first place, they'd have still been out there earning that bush light. And I would have been back in the studio because I'm true. not used to hunting upstate New York in September. I don't I do a lot of waterfowl I hunting in September. I never imagined this ever. <clears throat> Imagine what? Hunting in New York. Yeah. But usually I wouldn't even be in Canada this early in September. I'd be going to Canada around September 25th or so through October 20th, would I, which I got some different news last night that that might be coming to fruition for next year for unvaccinated yeah, that's folks. That's very exciting. That's exciting to me. So do you feel weird not hunting today? Do you hold a guilt trip against yourself for I not hunting today? Do. I always do. I mean, too. I have sometimes that, you know, we'll have a hunt put together and then, you know, I've got the disability group or someone I'm working for who's got, they schedule a meeting for like eight 30. And I think to myself, I can sneak a hunt in, get back, you know, pull the plug at seven 30, get an hour of hunting in, get home, take the shower, put a suit on and be on the zoom call at eight 30. And if I'll say, well, you know what, I'm going to do paper. I'm going to do work tonight later so that I'm going to sleep in till seven to be on that call. And then I'm all, then I'm, absolutely worried or feel guilty about the fact that I didn't get out there, especially when somebody sends me a picture of them holding geese up. Oh man, it was a banger. I could have done it until seven 30. And then there's times you leave at seven 30 and then they shoot, you know, five bands at eight o'clock, but that's just life. I mean, life's always going to have logistics. Part of it is being, you know, confident enough in yourself to just be okay with the decision you make. But what it is, is, waterfowl season is only so many days right and you look forward right. to it and missing one sucks that's why i don't hardly but when, miss any. when does the season start and when does it end is the question like i would never like if i got invited to go to a wedding in november i'm not going okay so like i know no matter who it is i don't care i, I don't. get an invite or save the date i literally will write back on save the date we'll be in the duck blood <laughs> sorry i'm not missing a day well, it's in the evening and then you can hunt in the morning. No, I'm going to be scouting. I'm going to be at camp. That's my time. Don't intrude on the duck time. You know, it's now I might be at that camp and I might have to miss a day, but I'm at camp and it's only that time of year that you get to be at duck camp. Right. It's so funny you say that though, because you'll 
push, push, push till that last day of the season, you know, and whatever that last day is, January 4th, 5th, whatever, middle of winter, it's 10 below zero in Wisconsin. And we're hunting, we're hunting and people are like, well, you don't hunt if it's like freezing out, do you? Well, yeah, we do. We're hoping for that snow hunt. You know what I mean? We hope, we hope for those three, four, five snow hunts every year. I mean, those are just magical. And then you get to that day and you walk in from that last day full of snow and mud and just bone tired, ready to collapse. And guess what? Two days later, when you can't hunt, you are wishing you had that day back. 100%. Wishing you had it back. And you think to yourself, damn, now I got three months before I can even sit in a turkey blind. Um, That's exactly how my mind works is that I cry on the last day of the season and regret the days I miss. And that's why I've been somber today, kind of. And I'm trying to keep my mind occupied because I'm hurt inside. Like my, my body is not like I'm not emotionally hurt. Like somebody hurt my feelings or I'm sad. I'm beat up inside because I'm here to hunt. Right. And I made the call not to hunt because of thunder and lightning. And you drove across the country to, to get hunt. here in time. And now yeah. my mind, my mind's going crazy watching the forecast, wondering how the, the storm's going to move through tomorrow. Because if I miss another day, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to freak no, out. It's like that. It's a feeling in your stomach. It's that feeling in your stomach that something's wrong and you can't quite put your finger on it. 100%. And what's wrong is that you feel like you missed something. Um, I feel that way. So do you feel that? Okay. I'm going to ask this in a weird way because there are people that hunt every day of the year. Is that selfish? Like to your wife, to your daughters, to your well-being, your job, your career, your clients, you're a duck hunter and you, and you're like, all right, well, I don't live in the South. The South, they get 60 days. Some of them hunt 45 hunt days. Some hunt 50, some hunt 10. I'd hunt all 60 if I could down there. Right. I love being in the South when it's duck season in Arkansas. Um, but is it selfish as a duck hunter that that's my time of the year and you're a better husband the rest of the year, you're a better father the rest of the year. And ducks just literally, like we say, we merely exist in a duck's world. They control our every move. Except I'm not a better husband outside of the hunting season. My wife will tell you I'm the best person I can be during the hunting season. Yeah, but you're not giving her the time. She, she loves the hunting season because I'm so fulfilled uh, every morning that I'm getting out there. But the other, on the other side of that, life is about logistics and balance, right? It's supposed to be about logistics and balance. And every day that passes during a hunting season that you're not out there, you can never get back. Never get back. And in Wisconsin, since it's a well, in every state, it's waterfowl hunting is a limited season. That's why I can't stand to ever miss it. And as tired as you are when you're getting up at 2.30 in the morning to make sure your spreads are set... Uh, it, that excitement you, when the hunts are, I mean, we, if you kill a limit in the morning, then you're not going out in the afternoon to hunt. Right. So that's off the table. You can get your work done, get your stuff done. But that's, I have that conversation with every single client of mine before they make the decision to hire me or I make the decision to work for them. So you're saying I have that, that conversation you're with saying each that of them. not one feeling of selfishness comes over or greed. No, I'm not saying that at all. But does it? Of course it does. It does. Of course it does. I have a wife and two children who are the most important thing in my life. 
And um, I have to balance my what I get from hunting, which is mental stability, reduction of anxiety, enjoyment, and food on the table. I shop in a cornfield in the morning. 100%. That is my shopping hands down. But a lot down. of people don't that give it. That's all we eat. A lot of people will be like, well, that's fine and dandy, but you don't need to kill your limited geese every day to feed our family. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but like, I'm not that, just feeding my family. I'm feeding farmers. I'm feeding, I mean, everybody who, I, everyone I have permission from gets pot pies throughout the year. Uh, I bring, you know, um, pot pies, goose burritos. I brought a goose lasagna the other day. Almost every morning I hunt, I bring uh, a traveling crock pot or a traveling Nesco with me and feed everybody on the hunt. So, yes. Do you need to do that? Could somebody consider it selfish? Yes. But I'm also never missing my daughter cheering at a football game. Never, never missing that. I'm never missing doing the radio show. I'm never missing um, an event with my wife in the afternoon. I have, you know, it's easier for me than you. You're traveling the country to do it. I'm doing it in Wisconsin. True. I'm I'm hunting within an that's hour that, of my that, house. That's why it starts to get so... Um, emotionally draining of, and I talked to Jim Shockey about this one time about how d d dark and lonely the road can get. He had, a, oh, sat I can't he had a satellite phone with him his whole career. He never missed one day of talking to Nana Weezy. And he would try to talk to Eva and Braden the same time, but he never missed one day on the road. He said, I believe that's what he said of talking to Nana Weezy, his wife. I believe it. And he would be like in Tanzania and all over. I mean, a satellite phone. He'd go up there and get reception with a satellite phone to make sure that he heard her voice. Because the road separates you from people so much. Uh, you've, you've heard me tell you, I don't know how you do it. What do you mean? The road is an incredibly hardworking, tough lifestyle. It's hardworking. You know, a lot of people look at, at you and, and you, you, have, you do have the joy of being able to hunt a lot. And that's an incredibly joyful thing in life. But people don't understand sometimes the work that goes into it. The, un the loading and unloading of a trailer, living, um, you know, out of a suitcase every time and everywhere you go. That is the tough part. It's hard work. In order to be good at it, you have to work hard at it. And a lot of times people don't really, they only see, they see the hunt, they see the show, they hear the podcast. They don't see the work that goes into it. The 24 hours a day that Jack is moving, lugging big boxes of equipment, moving cameras, making sure all the cameras are charged and plugged in and the batteries right. are charged. That is an awe inspiring feat to watch. It, I think it's, I think it can be. And I, I know that it's very, um, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding, right? But yes, but the the emotional part of it on my mind of missing one of my daughter's volleyball games because I'm out trying to build a brand, you know, like I don't sit there and feel sorry for myself because I think of like, what about military dads and moms that had to go into theater and overseas for an eight month or a 12 month deployment and they're away from their kids that whole time and their loved ones, their wives and their loved ones have to learn to understand that, right? Yes. So now I'm sitting here going, but I'm kind of, my life looks like it's just one big party and fun when it is a lot of work and I don't need to prove that to anybody. And it is how I put food on the table. But then I get an idea like, oh, I'm going to do this. Or I get an offer to invest here. Or I get an idea over here with another guy to start another company, right? And I'm like, well, all that's going to do is take more time away from my loved ones. And then all I can tell myself is this. My daughter comes first. 
If I had to leave right now because she needed me, done. I talked to her every day. I'm texting with her all the time. I made sure that she was doing a pumpkin thing for content yesterday with which she didn't have to go do it but i wanted her to be involved i wanted her to be with anna and the kids and everybody and make sure that she's involved 100 percent. so um so i want that to be said like i would do anything and drop my everything to go with her but i feel that a lot of people we're gonna have to continue this podcast in part two and this is the final thought of it today and then we will continue based on this thought right here um, a lot of us become fathers, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, mothers, and we live our entire life through our kids and through our family life. And we lose our individuality. We quit hanging out with our boys. We quit hanging out with our girlfriends. We, I mean, I'm with your girl. We quit going to the man's trip every year, the duck camp every year. We go, everything's rush here to little league, rush here to ballet, do this with the kids. Don't miss pop Warren. We're still individuals. We are still put on this work to achieve things as a human being and as an individual. And that's why I always tell people, look, you got to have balance and all that. I got to be a dad. I got to be a family man. I got to be a boyfriend. I got to be a brother and a son and all this to my family. But I'm also still Chad Belding. And I got to go do this stuff on the road. And I think that if you broke down Jim Shockey or Michael Waddell and the perils that they faced of traveling and loneliness and um, families falling apart or potential falling apart of a family, being self-destructive because you can't get off the road. You hear about it in rock and roll. You hear about it in country music and touring and all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I think that you still have to be an individual. We'll talk about that next time as we continue this conversation right here at the Foul Life Podcast. My guest again was Joel Clayfish from Wisconsin. Check out his podcast series, The Foul Life Midwest Edition on all of your podcast listening platforms right now listen to 2am logic my foul life Bye.